Hey there, thank you for joining us here at the Momfluentials podcast, where moms meet up to talk about how we use our influence and power, what we have in common, what we differ on, and how we can all work together for a healthier and more sustainable future for ourselves and our children. I'm Kimberly Pinkson, your host today, and I'm so, so happy you're here with me to meet our next fabulous guest and mom of influence. Our guest today is Amana Harris. Amana is a leader in the field of community arts and a well-respected advocate for the arts as a method for healing, empowerment, and academic achievement in K-12 education. Her book, entitled Self as Superhero, Handbook on the Creation of the Life-Size Self-Portrait, is a testament to her years of experience in arts education, mastery in curriculum development, and her belief in the power of art to empower and inspire children, youth, and communities. Amana serves as the Executive Director of the Center for Art Esteem, originally known as the Attitudinal Healing Connection in Oakland, California. Under Amana's leadership, the organization has received numerous, oh, excuse me, this has received numerous awards for her excellence in the arts through education, community engagement, and public art. With a BFA in drawing from the California College of Arts and Crafts and a master's in teaching from the University of San Francisco, Amana also serves as a professor at the California College of the Arts. In her work at the college, she engages students in understanding the impact of historical and current injustices on our educational systems and how the arts can play a critical role in educating, liberating, and inspiring children, youth, and communities. How'd I do with that, Amana? You did great. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Thank you, first of all, for being here. I, I so appreciate it. I know there's so many demands on, on our time, your time, and, and I just so thank you for showing up um, in, in all the ways that you do and, and with me here today. Um, I was trying to remember my first memory of you, and it was at the Center for Attitudinal Healing Party, and we were all in a circle singing This Little Light of Mine. And I remember looking around the, across the circle and kind of being like, I wanna be friends with that girl. <laughs> um, and then I remember running around as people were trying to give speeches with you, like we were, you know, just being kids, being goofy, and somebody, I don't remember who it was, I don't think it was any of our parents, um, came up and gave us a like, you know, you guys gotta be quiet. And I was laughing, because I'm like, I don't think either of us has really kept too quiet in our lives. (laughs) That hasn't really happened. Um, So um, let's start at the beginning and you could tell me a little bit about your childhood and and early influences that make you who you are today. Okay, yeah. Well, first I wanted to say, um, I love the name uh, Mom Influentials because I'm a mom. Thank you, yeah. I love being a mom. And I think being a mom has really shaped me in a lot of different ways. Um, But yeah, uh, recently I got this video from Diane um, of me when I was 10 years old um, in the um, Children as Teachers of Peace video Mm. with Gary Jampolsky and um, featuring... Mrs. Anwar Sadat. Wow. And I was like, oh my God, that's me. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I'm, uh, you know, so although I, I think I'm, I can be pretty talkative now, um, I think, you know, when I was young and a child, I usually was really reserved and really shy until I warmed up. And mm-hmm. so I just remember 
being at that um, event and <clears throat> just feeling really shy and feeling really um, a little bit out of place and um, uh, feeling like I didn't quite fit in. And uh, um, but nevertheless, I was there and I feel like I was as a child, I was always kind of in those moments where um, I'm in a place and um, I'm generally the only one that looks like me and learning some skills that at the time that I didn't really know that I was learning these skills. And that is to be able to really kind of go anywhere, <clears throat> connect with people. And um, I think that that teaching started very early for me. Um, being in circles created um, these situations being created by my mom, who was really, you know, searching for higher consciousness and higher self and higher power. Um, um, and yeah, so I, I could go on, but I'll stop there. But yeah. So do you think that, I mean, th those, well, first of all, let's just say we, we both had unique childhoods to have the, the parents that we did that, um, you know, were really committed from as long as we remember to, you know, social justice and racial justice and, and just really finding the love that is a universal truth beyond any of the, the, the um, other things out there in the world, you know? Yeah. Um, do you feel like you have stepped into that truth more as an adult, as you've faced the challenges <clears throat> of being an adult in the times, or do you feel like it was easier to kind of believe in when you were a kid? I think I kind of had to have my own experience. Mm -hmm. um, so like those were early days that really shaped my belief systems, my consciousness. But I'd say that throughout my childhood, I, I ebb and flowed. Like I, I was in a lot of different situations. Um, and, uh, and so I, you know, one moment I was this and then another moment I was that. And, you know, much like most children, teenagers, you know, you're like, you're trying to find yourself and mm -hmm. you are um, in different situations and different groups of people. And um, you are really trying to find out where you fit uh, in these um, unique situations. And I would say that I really do feel that I've had a very unique upbringing. Um, I mean, not only do I have, did I have a mother who went from being, you know, a black Muslim to someone who was fully immersed into the attitudinal healing and course in miracles world. Um, but I also grew up with um, uh, um, a, a stepfather from Ghana. Um, so, you know, balancing the world of being, you know, black in America, but also being exposed to, um, you know, cultural uh, traditions and ways from uh, Ghana. And, um, and it, you know, it was just really, really interesting and also experiencing the tension and the conflict between all of it, you know, mm -hmm. so um, across the board. So I, I think that um, I have a, you know, a pretty unique, um, 
experience and probably isn't that unique. I'm sure there's others who could, you know, say, actually, I had that same experience, but. Uh, exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, mine's yeah. unique to me. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, um, I went to uh, Oakland Public High School, um, Oakland Public Schools for the most part. Um, I went to a real kind of unique um, quirky art school that was like very diverse and very interesting where it was like all kind of like it was like all the oddballs kind of came together and that was one of them yeah. and um so you're that cool was immersed into what'd you say so that makes you cool if you're part of the the oddball creative artists and you're one of them that makes you cool right okay <laughs> once yeah, you find was... once you find your people <laughs> i didn't think so at the time okay. but but you know, I I had some fun times and some difficult times. Yeah. Um. And and then being immersed into like a large public high school, predominantly black and um, Latino, Latinx, Asian, and um, and that was a you know coming out of my kind of quirky artsy world into a like vast kind of high school world where there's just kind of everything um, in the BIPOC world um, was really interesting. So, um, and then coming out of that and going into art school, which was, you know, basically basically predominantly white. Generally, I was the only Black person in my classes. Um, you know, there were students that were from, you know, all over the country. And, um, and then how that shaped me. And then I kind of moved into... Um, being a substitute teacher. Well, actually, before I did that, I, um, I, I went and worked in a very white male dominated um, uh, um, engineering. Um, uh, I don't want to call it firm. It was more of a kind of almost workshop where um, we were making wax and plastic prototypes. Um, and so I was doing the more hands-on work as an artist, you know, like basically um, cleaning um, parts <laughs> and mm -hmm. um, sanding parts and, you know, getting them ready to get shipped off and after they had been engineered. And um, is that while you were getting your master's? No, that was, that was before I went and got my master's. Okay. Um, so I did that and I was just like, okay, this is just definitely not it. I need to, I need to be someplace where like, I, like where I can be filled up and where I can, feel like I'm useful. And mm -hmm. so I knew that I needed to move on and I had an opportunity to go and be a substitute teacher. And I said, okay, you know, I'll go do that. And mm -hmm. I think that's where I really found my joy. Um, mm -hmm. I found my joy as a substitute teacher. And many people would be like, what? Being a substitute teacher is so hard. And it is hard, but mm -hmm. I found the challenge re really rewarding. And yeah, yeah. I also was exposed to how dysfunctional our uh, educational systems are, um, mm -hmm. how we're still um, operating and living in apartheid schooling in America mm -hmm. and how um, unfair <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> um, unequal the educational systems still are. And, uh, and that pretty much changed my life. And so that's that's like, that was a big pivot for kind mm -hmm. of where I'm at today. 
Yeah, um, I don't want to um, skip over what you said about um, the apartheid schools in America. Um, I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about that means for those of our viewers that don't or listeners that don't um, know what that means. Yeah, um, well, it's just basically that we are still operating in a system that has segregated schools, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it's pretty easy to look around us and still realize that, you know, like if we think about just the, you know, I mean, listeners can think about the schools that their children go to and what do, what does that diversity really look like? Um, you know, like, and I think that a lot of times we get diversity really skewed um, mm-hmm. in terms of like, um, so we think like, oh, if there's a black kid in our class, it, it's diverse. Done. Um, Check. <laughs> and it's like, well, actually, no, not really. You know, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. let's look at the masses. Let's look at our schools and our neighborhoods, because it's not just our schools. It's our communities, our communities. Systems. Yeah, systems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, I I think that, you know, I always point to, um, you know, PBS did this documentary called Race, the Power of an Illusion. Mm-hmm. And the it, it has three parts to it. It's an excellent um, three-part series. And I recommend, I think every American should watch that video. Mm-hmm. Um, and in particular, part three, which really talks about how our, um, our communities, um, you know, in the, in the 40s and 50s um, were, you know, through urban development and through um, the suburbanization of America, um, worse done so racially. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so when we look at that, and then we look at how schools are um, <clears throat> uh, link specifically to neighborhoods, mm-hmm. you know, so, yeah. so there lies our apartheid schooling system, you yeah. know, yeah. and um, it, it became very, very clear to me as a substitute teacher, mm-hmm. that when I would be in uh, Oakland schools, um, and in particular, flatland schools, um, you know, when you're in the flatland schools, it's pretty much all of color, mm-hmm. um, predominantly African-American, Latinx, and um, uh, Asian. Mm-hmm. And then when you go into the Hill schools, those schools are predominantly white. And then you may have a few of <clears throat> a small population of BIPOC folks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, I think that um, there's also a book um, by a man named Jonathan Causal called Shame of the Nation. And it's about mm-hmm. apartheid schooling in America. And mm-hmm. while I do have some critique of the book um, in regards to how we, I, I think that what I've really noticed when we talk about integrated schools, that the value is really put on whiteness. Hmm. And that is that if these black kids could come into this school with these white kids, (laughs) there will be equal education. Everything will be fine then. Yeah, exactly. And so instead of thinking really strategically and critically around what do we need to create equality mm-hmm. that is not necessarily um, equating equality with what white people have. Mm-hmm. You, it, do, does that make sense what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. So I think that um, I think that we've we try and create solutions, but I think in doing so, we actually develop more problems. More problems, yeah. And um, and we don't look, look strategically at how to create value in all people. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like if we could start there, yeah. I think that we could um, maybe solve some of our greatest problems that we have yeah, yeah. socially yeah. Um, racially today yeah yeah gosh so many so many thoughts I'm like okay where do we go from here <laughs> um but but you plop the kid the you know put the black kid in the white school and then everything's great you did your job right um but that's not looking at the big system and I feel like there's just that is one of the key issues in our world today that we've gone through this like journey of separation on so many levels, you know, for, for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, and so we think it's all, you know, separate. We work on this over here. We work on this over there. We kill this over here. We kill them over there and everything will be fine. Um, and this goes, you know, environmentally and socially, but we're not looking at it as a system, as an ecosystem. And we think we're separate from nature, but we're part of nature. And, and so the same thing with, with the, um, you know, with racism, um, like it just, I, I feel like we just are still so missing the fact that we're, we're all connected, you know, and we have to be looking at this systemically. You can't just do one part and then think it's, it's all better. And, you know, it's, I'm not saying that is easy by any means, of course, but like just that having that consciousness would be such a big first step. Mm-hmm. I think, um, that, I think in, in order to really do that, and I, cause I think that's really, really deep and really, really hard work. Yeah. I think that we really do have to address white supremacy mm-hmm. Yeah, and how that shows up in our yeah. culture Yeah, and what are our blind spots to that? Yeah. yeah. Um, if we are living in spaces of privilege, mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. you know, and so how do we, um, begin to, you know, dig a little deeper mm-hmm. and, yeah. and move more into uncomfortable spaces yeah. to really, and, and, you know, and our, our, our little comfortable pots, you know, yeah. um, you know, we have to move, move out of spaces where we are always accepted, you know? And so um, I, I, I think that's really hard work. Yeah. Uh, one thing I want to just say, another book that is really compelling um that I always encourage people to read is um, um, Warriors Don't Cry by Melba Patillo Beals. And that really does um, um, share the story from a firsthand perspective. Because I think that when we, when we learn about the fight for integration mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and we learn about Little Rock Nine and so on and so forth, we don't really have that up close and personal um, you know, what does it feel like? What does it feel like as a mm-hmm. human being? And mm-hmm. <clears throat> Melba Patilla Bills really does an excellent job of sharing with uh, us mm-hmm. her experience um, integrating Central High School. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we will put all of these book references in our notes for this this podcast. Um, so just want to mention that. Um, 
I also really appreciated um, Cased, the orange, origins of our discontent. Did you did you read that one? By Isabel Wilkerson. Sure. Yeah, that that's just another power. There's so many. There's so many good ones. Um, you could just make sure you put that one in there too. I will. I will. <laughs> Absolutely. It's um, when you were saying about having uncomfortable conversations. So you know, I worked in a K twelve school um, for the the most recent chapter of my life too, and um, and it was really had some really powerful, really uncomfortable conversations with with some of the students and some of um, my colleagues me thinking I was doing the right thing to, you know, strive to creating, to be trying to create a more, you know, diverse and inclusive um, community and really not even being aware of, of how some of what I was doing was really hurting people. And um, even though every one of the situations was really hard to hear, cause I was like, you know, but, but my intention was right. Um, I, I felt so grateful for the people that had the courage, um, well, first of all, to be in an environment where, where they knew it was safe to come talk to me, um, the culture that, that was there, and then, then them having the courage to come talk to me and me having the opportunity to, to hear so I could really understand more because, you know, it's easy for me to, you know, be like, oh, I'm an ally, you know, I'm doing what I can, but there's like I am a white woman, I, I don't I don't walk in in your shoes, you know, and, and some of these these kids in my colleagues shoes. And so, um, you know, like, I mean, this is such a this is such a simple one now that I know it, but like I was director of marketing and communications, So I wanted and, you know, I, you always hear about wanting uh, representation and you want the little kids to be able to see themselves and visualize, oh, I can be president. I can be, you know, the, the, the author, the actress, you know, the teacher, um, the artist, you know, whatever it is. So I was like, well, let's have diverse colors of people on all of our admissions material. You know, like I thought that was a good thing. Um, and was really being intentional about you know, asking kids of, of all backgrounds and colors, hey, do you want to be in, you know, on this? Can we use this photo of you on that? And again, thinking that's a good thing. And then um, after I want to say like two years, um, this one young girl who just phenomenal young um, powerhouse, and she came up to me and she said, Miss Pinkson, can I talk to you about something? I was like, yeah, of course. Um, and she said, you know, the, the way you're doing the, the photos of, of us, um, and she was, a, you know, a, a young black girl. Um, she said, you're, you're making it feel really uncomfortable because it feels really inauthentic because when you look at the admissions collateral, it looks like this is the representation at our school when in reality, the schools in San Anselmo, California, which is one of the whitest counties, I think in, in probably certainly California, perhaps much of America, um, and you know the school works really hard to to recruit faculty and staff and students of color, and there's so many other systemic dynamics that that just doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, and 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 I was I was like, wow, you know, I had no idea. But thank you so much for telling me that. And then a couple months later, I saw some I can't remember what the there's some TV show, and they were literally making a joke about admissions people at private schools putting, you know, okay, we got our black person, we got our Chinese person, we got, our, you know, and, and I, it was like kind of dagger to my heart. And then also like, okay, good learning, you know, like little teeny dagger to my heart compared to what these kids are dealing with. Right. 
So, um, yeah, anyways, and then, you know, a couple other things with colleagues that that came up where, you know, I felt like we had one in particular where I felt like we had a really friendly relationship. You know, I, she'd shown me pictures of her, you know, I knew about her, her nephews, her family weddings, you know, what she wore for this event, what she wore for that event, and, you know, what went right at different family gatherings, what went wrong. And so I felt like we had a, you know, fun rapport. Um, and I asked her a question. Then she came to me a couple of weeks later, actually another colleague came to me and said, you know, you did something that really upset this other person. And would you, would you talk to this person? And I said, oh my God, of course. Like I had, I, I didn't even think twice about asking the question because it had been asked of my sister and I so many times over the years, you know, but she was black and it brought up, you know, some heavy stuff for her. And, um, and now I, I'm like, oh my God, how did I not see that? You know, but, but I feel grateful for the opportunities that open my eyes and the learning. And, and so here, you know, I'm trying and yet I'm also pained that, well, I'm just, uh, um, I mean, I know you, I assume you feel this too. It's like on one hand, I feel like parts of our society are becoming more aware, right? Of these issues that have been there since the beginning and trying to evolve and how can we move past this? one world we're all connected and then this other part of our society is is going the absolute opposite dire direction um you know more racism more closed doors more you you know us them stay away you know that that um dynamic and and it's terrifying like that we're raising our kids in this world i have two children um they're well they're not children they're they're Young adults, yes. adults. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, they are 24 and 26. Okay, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, I just thought, God, by the time I, my son is 21, like by the time our kids are this age, why does this, why does this even still exist, right? Haven't we evolved past this? I don't know, the whole Trump thing, I feel like um, the way that I've held him in my mind is like he was almost like there was this infection that was festering in our country, in our world. Um, and he was kind of the pimple that made it come, come to the, the surface mm -hmm. more. Right. So mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, in a big picture and evolution, um, this, he and the people that are following his beliefs, um, they're making us deal with that infection and maybe we're going to heal it eventually. And, you know, it's more, um, in our, in our face, I guess, right? Instead of just being under the surface for many of us, I know. Yeah, I think it's know. really important that it's on the surface because when yeah. things that are, um, you know, feelings not expressed can become yeah. very toxic. And so I think it's important that these feelings are being expressed because then we can all really look at it and really mm -hmm. know that, um, <clears throat> what we're dealing with. Yeah, yeah. What have you seen change in, in your teaching and like the culture at the schools and how you're teaching um, around like DEIA and, and racism and um, Black Lives Matter? Like, what do you feel has changed from when you were first starting as a substitute teacher to now? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. No, there's not more conversations happening. No, because I've always been dealing with racism. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. Like, this is not new. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. No, nothing has changed like every new like you know big 
you know, tadao about that happens that yeah. makes us more aware of race. Like nothing that may go me. right back down. <clears throat> yeah. Because um, I've been um, working in a um, marginalized um, black and brown community for, mm-hmm. you know, um, almost 30 years. Mm-hmm. And um, all of the injustices that we know about that we see um, were very real. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that community and, and what I've seen in schools mm-hmm. and the injustice that I've seen in, in schools yeah. um, is, is very real. So these new happenings are only more examples yeah. as to why the work that we are doing is so important. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, my charge um, in the work that we do for the Center for Art Esteem is really mm-hmm. to cultivate enlightened beings mm-hmm. um, and enlightened beings that can really utilize arts and creativity and the attitudinal healing principles um, as a way to articulate their voice mm-hmm. um, and to, um, as a way to deepen their understanding of our culture, um, of our society, um, and have um, a critical um, communication mm-hmm. um, about their thoughts and their, their feelings about that um, as they deepen and have more opportunities to explore themselves and their own potential. Mm-hmm. So that's the work that I'm very interested in. I am very interested in really helping um, young people in particular um, understand their humanity mm-hmm. uh, even more and that they are human beings um, and uh, critical human beings mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. have something to say. <laughs> yeah, that they matter. <clears throat> every child matters. And yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, and, I just, you know, it's, it's so fresh to be around young people because they're just raw and they're just real and they're, um, and, and they're, they, they, they're already critical thinkers. They're looking naturally. They haven't gotten it knocked out yet. Yeah. And they have something to say. Mm -hmm. And I think that we have to be very, we have to be very cautious about the, you know, right now kids are on social media and like they, they have access to stuff that we didn't have Mm -hmm. when we were young. And yep. they are bombarded <laughs> by so much and it's shaping who they are and what they are. So I think even more now, young people being engaged in the arts and having a critical voice is mm-hmm. even that much more um, important. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> they're being shaped by media <clears throat> and which is an art form and which also can be very powerful or is very powerful and can also be very destructive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. I've, I've said something um, over the years and I've said at some point I'm going to write a book about it, but um, uh, it's called um, Critical Pedagogy Through the Arts Versus Destructive Pedagogy Through the Arts. And mm-hmm. so really mm-hmm. thinking about how we have destroyed through the mm-hmm. arts and we can go back into time, you know, on multiple levels, but how the arts has been used to um, inculcate um, 
messages about who we are, what we mm-hmm. are, mm-hmm. what we should be thinking, um, how we should feel about someone else. Yeah. Um, and so, um, but also really knowing that art is a very powerful, powerful vehicle. Mm-hmm. And so how do we use that? How do we engage young people in learning those skills and um, learning those tools to be able to communicate who they are? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. I can't wait to read that book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about when, so the, 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 we met, you know, through our parents doing the, the attitudinal healing center for attitudinal healing. And then your parents opened, um, your, your mom and, and stepdad Coco Mananisha opened up, uh, the, um, center for racial healing, right? The attitudinal healing connection. Attitudinal healing connection. Um, And then that evolved into the Center for Art Esteem now, right? Okay. And and they they, um, really um, uh, started the center, the attitudinal healing connection, Mm -hmm. doing the racial healing work. Yeah, yeah. So like early on, they wrote their first book, Mm -hmm. um, Beyond Fear. Mm-hmm. 12 spiritual keys to racial healing. Yep. Um, that book has actually been recently re-released as color theory oh, where they okay. are, um, they really are um, <clears throat> capturing the experiences of their 30 years of racial healing circles mm-hmm. and also teaching people, giving people the tools for how they can facilitate their own racial healing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A really powerful book. And I'm mm-hmm. um, interesting because when I read it, I was like, Whoa, this is, you, you know how your parents do something and you're like, yeah. oh yeah, okay, you got your, yeah. <laughs> that's great. And I, I've actually been using the book. Um, mm. to, oh, that's very full circle. Yeah, that must yeah feel it's so like good full, to circle, them. Yeah. full circle, full mm-hmm. circle to um, facilitate some of our healing circles that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So really impressed with the work. I'm, I think that um, I would add that book to the list of books. The list of resources. Yeah. Okay. Resources, um, because it's really powerful. And, um, and then, so yeah. And, and then I came on board, like around that same time I was substitute teaching, I'd applied for Teach for America. I was, mm-hmm. wanted to be a teacher. And, um, and then I kind of got an opportunity through my mom who's like, well, why don't you come and teach art here at the center? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's funny because she initially wasn't really that happy about the name change mm-hmm. or, you know, from Attitude yeah. mm-hmm. to the Center for Art Esteem. Um, but I had to remind her that, you know what, if you don't remember, you came up with the name Art Esteem because she was mm-hmm. like, you know, um, why don't you come here and you can teach art classes here, you know, and mm-hmm. healing. you can call it artisting. What about mm-hmm. artisting? Mm-hmm. And, and so I was like, oh, okay. You know, so, um, <laughs> funny. Yeah, yeah. So I, I have to remind her about that. And, um, and then artisting really grew within the center, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the point where it really kind of it really at some point was like, I'd say, you know, just kind of took over. Yeah, that was where it was of, resonating and working. And, in yeah. terms of mm-hmm. our services and how we were yeah. you know, um, working in the community. And mm-hmm. um, 
and so I just felt like it would it would be natural to call, but keep the center. I was, I mm-hmm. felt like the center is the way in which to merge, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. attitudinal healing with art esteem. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we're still an attitudinal healing center. Mm-hmm. At healing yeah. Connect, still our legal name, mm-hmm. um, and we are doing business as the center for art esteem. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but that, I love that. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's an exciting new change. Mm-hmm, it also mm-hmm. allows us to kind of start to build more of our own identity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And you just had a um, big event. How did that go? Yeah, we just had our um, uh, building the Center for Artisting pre-groundbreaking ceremony. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, our state senator, Nancy Skinner, was mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. And um, our mayor, Libby Schaff, our mayor of Oakland, and um, three of our uh, council members were there, um, Treva Reed and Lauren Taylor and Shang Tao. And um, it was just really exciting to be able to get our community leaders um, out to really support and see the value of building the Center for Artists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Many of our community leaders were there, our families, our youth, yeah, um, our beautiful. neighborhood folks that are just in the community, yeah. um, our allies and supporters of Attitude No Healing Connection for many years. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was a beautiful event. Our architects, yeah. our contractors, our construction. Everybody, yeah. Um, yeah, everybody was there. And um, we, um, you know, well, so the, maybe the question is, why are we building the Center for Art Esteem? And so let me just share with you a little bit about that. Okay, great. So... <clears throat> You know, our uh, founders, Aisha and Coco Monclate, my parents, um, had started, they, the, the center was founded um, in 1989, um, mainly by my mom, and um, then joined by her husband, Coco Mon. And then in 1992, they, um, they bought um, a two-story flat uh, in West Oakland at the corner of 33rd and West, and they... Um, they um, lived upstairs and they basically uh, rented the bottom portion out to actually build the center. And that's really kind of how it all started. Um, and so that's that we were in that space for about 27 years until it just got to the point where we were just, we, we were just, we were just spilling out, out, out the windows. We, mm-hmm. we just needed more space. Our programming had um, grown and we needed to, have more space so we took a leap of faith and we we moved out and um what we found was that um we were really in a very like safe kind of nest when we were Mm, at mm -hmm, our mm -hmm. um you know old building and um after that first move we ended up moving three times Mm -hmm. within three years and we really saw the, um, you know, just w- what's happening in Oakland around gentrification, tech mm-hmm, development. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. um, you know, by the BIPOC community is definitely displaced. Artist communities mm-hmm. have been greatly impacted. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, space is hard to come by and it's not affordable. And we thought, oh my God, we better we have to buy a place or else we really literally are going to get priced out of Oakland. Mm-hmm. Um, so it became really an urgent need and our board um, came together and we um, decided that we would 
start looking for a property. And mm-hmm. um, it's just, I, you know, I, I really do just with the work of attitudinal healing and um, attitudinal healing kind of com- coming out of a course in miracles and mm-hmm. um, he, the whole idea that, you know, miracles can happen, mm-hmm. <laughs> that yep. the process of us finding a space and moving through this capital campaign renovation and build out process has been miraculous. Um, mm-hmm. We've gotten so much, um, um, so many open doors, let's just put mm-hmm. it that way. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, a lot of support and we need much more support. Um, yeah. I was going to ask, how can people, how can folks support you? Um, well, I would say that, um, you know, we are looking for people who really want to invest in um, helping us build the center for our esteem. Mm-hmm. And I think that people who find themselves in a position where they can help mm-hmm. um, financially, mm-hmm. um, we ask, I would ask them to reach out to me. I would love to talk to them, okay. um, you know, and folks can go to our website and find out more about the, the capital campaign. Um, our website is www.ahc-oakland.org. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I am, you know, here and I'm working every day um, to talk to those individuals and work with individuals that have the means to help. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's Thank you. pretty much that. And all the information is there. We've done a pretty good job of really laying out our case statement, um, Mm -hmm. our capital campaign video. And it's, it's really good. I did. I checked it out. It's excellent. You did a beautiful job. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we want to make sure that the work that we've done in Oakland for 33 plus years um, is sustained in Oakland. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as the city um, is dealing with, you know, so many issues, um, you know, our, the violence is going up. People are homeless. I mean, yeah. children are going through a lot. We're just coming out of a pandemic. I mean, now more than any time, you know, than the, that I could speak of and in the time that I've been doing this work, um, our children and youth need um, art, creativity, ways to, you know. Uh, Find hope. Yeah. Uh, to, outlets and hope. Yeah. 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 yeah ways to fill themselves with, mm-hmm. with, um, with hope and yeah. with, um, opportunity mm-hmm. and, um, and to, to, to be inspired ways to yeah. be inspired. And yeah. I think that's really important. And the arts and attitudinal healing mm-hmm. um, principles really do help do that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And so much, um, just admiration for all you've accomplished. And as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking of in my dad's work with indigenous spirituality, and he talks about like the, you know, the, the um, medicine person, the, the shaman of the tribe, and then their, their children, some of whom pick up the, the medicine bundle, right? The medicine is like the, the teachings. Um, and so as you're talking, I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, you're, you're picking up that medicine bundle and taking it into the future you know, and it has to evolve and grow and change. And, and what a beautiful honoring to your family's work that you're taking that and growing it in this direction. Thank you. I, you know, yeah. it's, I, I would like to um, just share because, you know, we've been doing these public art murals, which mm-hmm. I've been talking to city council because since the pandemic, they've um, 
just been kind of getting destroyed with graffiti and you know mm-hmm. yeah. popping up and it's so we're looking at how to really preserve the art that young people do in their own community to inspire and bring hope. Like, how do we preserve that? Mm -hmm. It's so important. Um, And we have our mural number five and I have a, um, I have a small blurb um, that describes one of the characters, um, the superhero characters. Mm -hmm. It's just so awesome. I'd like to definitely just share that with, with the audience um, Mm -hmm. before we um, end today. And um, uh it's it's just really inspiring and it it gives an example of how young people are thinking yeah and um and how they're using their creativity Mm -hmm. um and how these opportunities are really enriching them Mm -hmm. as human beings Mm -hmm. um and that's can you share that now um yeah i I can okay just give me a little sure yeah a little second here sure 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 (laughs) well you're well you're looking um one of my um kind of inspiration quotes of the last couple of years in particular is, is from um, the uh, writer and, and professor, civil rights activist, um, Audra Lorde. Mm-hmm. And she said, um, the fact that we are here and that I speak these words is an attempt to break that silence and bridge some of those differences between us. For it is not difference which immobilizes us, but silence. And there's so many silences mm-hmm. to be broken. There's so many silences to be broken. Yeah. Um, that's so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and even like me sharing some of my experiences, like I've not shared them beyond just my family and a couple of other colleagues to help try to make some additional changes based on, on what I learned. Like, I feel um, like, I don't know what, it's not embarrassed, but like, oh, she, she sees how, white I am <laughs> you know what I mean talking to you and and um yeah just but we I gotta show up because you know, you know I mean at the end of the day we're all a human being and we're just yeah, totally we're just trying and, and yeah. we can't we can't help the way in which we've been shaped totally totally our, you know our, but I we do have to own it yeah you know? and yep. I think that I think owning it is the important part absolutely you know yeah. so yeah, um, yeah. Well, first, let me, if you, if you don't, can, is it possible for me to share my screen? Oh, sure. Yeah. I'm going to um, show you this. This mural number five mm-hmm. is so amazing. Okay. Um, and it, and it, where is it located if people want to check it, it out? Has it, no, it's the city of Oakland has approved it. The Public Art Advisory Committee have oh, okay. approved this mural. Uh-huh. Now we need Caltrans approval. And okay. it will um, go up at one of the underpasses mm, um in okay. Oakland and um with the series oh great so, okay um, okay you should have um screen share capabilities now okay all right all so i'm gonna so here it is mm, mm-hmm. wow and i mean just you know digest <laughs> this I, shows you like the kind of deep work our young yeah. people have been doing and that gives me chills and learning tears. that's been happening. Each one of these superheroes has an animal mm-hmm, totem mm-hmm. and yeah. they have an elder spirit. Yeah. That is with them. Wow. Um, that totally gave me goosebumps and, and yeah, tears. It's so you can so just powerful. See, and oh, like, wow. And oh the God. animals are just like, wow. have had it. Yeah. Just yeah. had it. Yeah. You know, the bears are like, <laughs> you guys are fucking up. <laughs> <laughs> they're tearing up the plant yep. and mm-hmm. you know i mean these kids 
did this, created these superhero characters. And then mm-hmm. wow. this art design is uh, done by an artist, Oakland-based artist named Pancho um, Pescador. And he's mm-hmm. a muralist. And um, mm-hmm. so he's the lead artist for this mural. So he takes the students' superhero characters and stories, and he creates the design. Wow. And he works with the students back and forth mm-hmm. around what has been created and gets their feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just, um, we also have some local um, icons. This is a musician, an Oakland-based musician mm-hmm. who has passed named Khalil mm-hmm. uh, Shahid. Mm-hmm. And then um, as you go over to the right, this is Mother Marianne Wright who fed mm-hmm. thousands of people yep. in Oakland um, very close to where this mural will be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the young people are putting their visions and their hopes and their desires for the future and for the world um, mm-hmm. in this art. Mm-hmm. This art is very filled with passion mm-hmm. and heart and inspiration yeah. for what we need wow. to be thinking about. Um, and here's the story. I'll just, I'll just read this because okay. it just like um the student that um there's each student it was a group of students that worked on this character so so toby is the character that's to the far left this this right here Mm -hmm. and um so toby is an impulsive and free spirit that carries a lot of emotion he's a pisces He grew up in a rural area with his younger brother, surrounded by lush forests and practically raised by nature. When his empath personality, compounded by with his disgust for deforestation after the death of his sibling, cause of death, sabotaged by a clear-cutting corporation, Mm -hmm. he was found by a tawny owl named Micah. Micah felt Toby's distress in the moments after his sibling's death and was drawn to him. Through their connection, they learned that the traumatic event activated Latin powers within Toby. With Micah's guidance, Toby learns that his powers are semi-limitless. He must meditate regularly to keep it in check and direct the energy into positive action. He can astral project to scope areas undetected and take control over another person's body for a short amount of time as long as he keeps focus. His senses are enhanced and he can manipulate life energy to form objects or perform offensive and defensive strategies. With these powers, he protects forests around the world. So, oh my gosh, that's just, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, so this is the kind of work- And how old are the kids working on this? These are teenagers, so, I, I can say that uh, one of the students that I know was one of the leaders in the development of that char- character and story mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is um, uh, Nico Cabrera. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nico at the time was a either junior or senior. Mm-hmm. So, and he's been, uh, we're on in this, he's in his second year. Um, uh, post uh, high school, and he's been okay. in a, in a um, training program. Mm, okay. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Powerful. 
I love how that that integrates. I mean, just the 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 storyline and the 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 imagery. It just integrates so many aspects of life right now and where we've been and where we need to go. And and it's just yeah, wow. <laughs> And I can't wait to see that come to fruition. Yeah, me, me either. <laughs> and um, I want to say that um, his art, uh, um, uh, that that mural design came out of students that are in our West Oakland um, Legacy Project, and mm-hmm. now it's called Oakland Pro- Legacy Project, so it's okay. a little bit broader. But it's mm-hmm. our art and environmental program Mm -hmm. um, that uh, teaches students not just art making, but also Mm -hmm. really um, helps them learn about our environmental injustices Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, from a a local perspective as Mm -hmm. well as um, globally. Mm -hmm. And um, and so students art generally is able to express um, uh, what they've learned Mm-hmm. Um, about the environment and so you really do you see, see that. that yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in the story and also in the visuals yeah absolutely yeah yeah and so, it, I mean it really brings to life how you know you can't talk about racial justice without environmental justice like they're so everything they're, is interconnected everything back to the beginning of our conversation yeah everything is interconnected um yeah, and I, I think, think I, I think across the board you know I think if we think about education everywhere Mm-hmm. white community, black, purple, blue, mm-hmm. green. We need to be looking at how we can develop compassionate human beings, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, yeah. in this culture. Mm-hmm. And I think in, in, yeah. in particular in spaces of privilege. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I have to say I'm, I'm on a committee working on a mission statement for a, a local school, updating their mission and vision statement. And, and I'm some of the, the key words that you keep mentioning have made it into the conversations right now. And, and so I'm like, okay, we're on the right track. That That's right on. <laughs> that feels good. Um, I keep thinking of the, the, did you read that book? Um, the Watchman's Rattle, Thinking Our Way Out of Extinction by Rebecca Costa. No, no. She has this one line in there um, where she says, any drive towards singularity is a drive toward extinction. It's and so true. That's like, the culture we live in. That is the culture we live in. Yeah. The theme of this podcast is momfluentials. And so thinking of yourself and and mom power and how we influence, how you've been influenced, you know, you've you've shared a lot about that. Um, Your your work with kids, um, having two daughters. What can I and and other listeners who are, are white or other colors, like how can we be better allies? Like what are, what are some of the things that really come up for you that you want other moms who want to be doing better, who want to learn how to do better? What are some of the things that come to mind for you? And I really, I mean, where, when I, you know, say the word ally to me, it's like reaching across aisles and different backgrounds. You know, how do we, to find those common bonds to remember our universal truths as, as moms and, and human beings? Yeah. And, but then how does that manifest, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it makes me think about, um, I recently went and did a little presentation for a group of parents mm-hmm. of a preschool mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, here in um, 
well, it was in uh, Montclair and mm -hmm. um, it's pr pretty non-diverse space. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, which is more white, pretty white. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and so I get that question a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, I think that, um, I think the first thing is that we, we can't be comfortable with the current paradigm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's get, get uncomfortable. Yeah. Get uncomfortable. Step into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and, and I think look around, mm -hmm. you know, and ask yourself, um, you know, what does this space look like and what are the messages that, mm -hmm. um, my child is getting is getting yeah what are the messages that my child is getting every day about who they are and who other people are and then um because yeah. i have to tell you i don't have like any real concrete solution mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think that each person has to really do some deep their own work, work. they, they yeah. need to do their own personal work mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know like how do you become an ally like there are so many books and yeah. there's so so many conversations mm -hmm. that are happening. So how do you begin to step into the conversation? Right, right. How do you begin to, um, you know, be vulnerable? I think that yeah. a lot of times we don't really want to be vulnerable. We don't really want to say what we're thinking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, and we don't want to really come to um, um, the truth of how we've been shaped <laughs> culture, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know. Yep. So I, I think that it's like, it's, it has to be like this aha moment. And it has to also be this, this commitment to do the deep internal work. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I think that a, a BIPOC people have to do the deep internal work. because right. They're born to having to we, do the work. We have to. Yeah. yeah. This is some, but this is something that's been put on us. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. it's actually not fair. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I oh, didn't, and I, I should clarify, you're born into a system that makes right, you do exactly. the work, not by right. nature of your color right. that yeah exactly mm -hmm. and so yeah. i'm glad you clarified that yeah. yeah um and um and so this when you're when you have that extra layer mm -hmm. um it's it's you don't really have a choice but to deal with it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um and it's unfair mm -hmm. and yeah. so i think that when you're living in white privilege you might have all your other issues that you're dealing with, just like mm -hmm. every normal human being has mm -hmm. their own personal issues. Right. But if you're in a comfortable space of that white privilege, it's something you don't really have to deal with. Right. Um, yeah. Right. You have to choose more to step into it than not. Exactly. It can easily yeah. be ignored. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, and so I think that we have to put ourselves in these uncomfortable spaces. Mm -hmm. I think that, um, you know, being an ally also means, I mean, there's a lot of organizations, there's a lot of group work to do the work. Mm -hmm. Get behind one of those groups, get behind Center for Artists Theme. Um, we're doing the work and we are working to create enlightened, creative, compassionate beings. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that Moving into that space is a step. Doing the internal work is a step mm -hmm. um, and being committed to it, you know? Yeah. So yeah, being committed to being an anti-racist, mm -hmm. which, which means that you have to do some work. This work that has to be done. Right. Yeah. So um, you, you can't, we, we, um, 
when when I was working at the school, um, our director of DEI and I sent out an, an email, and if I remember correctly, the first sentence was, we're all racists. And we had some people, including some good friends of mine, who were like, how could you say that? You know, like, that was really offensive to me that you sent that out. And it was like, well, great, because there's where you need to start doing your work. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like, because it's like, how... Me too. Yeah. I mean, not, not yeah. them, the me. That you <laughs> haven't been racialized in this culture. Yeah. Yeah, is like, I'm sorry, everyone mm -hmm. is racialized and everyone yeah. has it has been racialized in this, whether you've internalized it or perpetuated it, right, been racialized mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you have to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. Like we, we, I, I'm like, we, with the algorithms and, and media right now, we're just becoming more and more polarized and more and more extreme. And so yeah. how do we come together and, really and have scary. these conversations? It's terrifying. Mm -hmm. um, and we all, all live in our own little silos of reality that just get exacerbated by one little like, then you see more of what you've just liked and read. So you really have to be so, um, and I, I talk about this all the time and write about it, you have to be so intentional of going out and, and searching other hashtags that you wouldn't normally search and finding, um, you know, watching news and reading news on so many different platforms and going into different neighborhoods to really try to understand and not allowing, unless you're on maps and looking to find something, don't allow your location to be known on your devices because I want to get the perspective of someone in, you know, North Dakota too, not just the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area and how you know the the algorithms and, and all that are so connected to that um and how given all that how do we like have conversations because like we 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 can as moms just sticking with that like we can go so far in our conversations that we're on the same page right like about what we believe in and what we want and how we're raising our kids and what we're afraid of, we can go really far in that conversation. And then like, where does it start to splinter? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so I'm like, can we meet at that point? I want to create some media or some opportunities that we can. And I mean, you're doing that with your, you know, the, the, the healing groups that, that you do. Um, but I'm like, how can we do that? Like on a national level that brings it to audiences that wouldn't otherwise be paying attention, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I think you're bringing some, I think, you know, with you having a marketing and communications background, um, at, at which I, I actually offline at some point, I'd like to talk to you more mm -hmm. about, but um, it is really essential because, you know, when we think about what's happening, um, in our country, mm -hmm. is it, it's 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 good because we're seeing where we're at. Yeah, yep. And when you see where you're at, you then you know what you the kind of work that you have to do, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. yep. So because if you if you're not seeing where you're at, then you get sideswiped. And mm -hmm, then you're mm -hmm. like surprised and you, you don't know what happened. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. At least we kind of, it's like, we know I, where we're at now. We know where we're at. So I, I feel like, you know, that we have to be just as critical, mm -hmm. like that drive to um, be the, um, you know, deeply aware 
and um, progressive and, um, and, and passionate um, about justice mm-hmm. is, is we have to find ways to push that message out. Mm-hmm. And I think the communications of that is really, really important. Yeah. The more we get clear, I think the more we can really help others really rally behind um, a movement of where we all know that we need to go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and it's yeah. like, thought we were going there and now yeah. we're finding like, uh, actually there's actually, some other folks working way hard. They're the working other direction. They yeah. are working double time, triple time. Yeah. Yep. And so we have to work double time, triple time. Yeah. Yeah. My, my like, and I think I hopeful. think we're too comfortable that, and that's the problem. We are yeah. too comfortable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why we're where we're at. I My hopeful self thinks that what's happening right now with the divisiveness and, and kind of seeing the, the, the seeing where we're at more instead of being hidden, right, um, is a good thing because it's like as a society, as a racist society, as a sexist society, um, civilization, it's like, a, you know, when a beast is dying, it cries out the loudest, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, when you look at the, the data, you know, we are, we are not going to be a, a white world, right? Um, and I, I mean, I think there is something about um, that within, I don't know how many years, we're all going to look like Brazilians. And I'm like, great, they are beautiful. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> but to other people, that's terrifying, right? But that's the direction we're heading as, as a world. So for the people that don't want that, they're 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 the beast that's dying out and they are fighting and screaming and it's ugly it's so ugly this this the idea of the mother mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. really is, is very key mm-hmm. because mothers have a lot of power mm-hmm. and i think that we have when mothers really know the power that they have then i think that we'll start to um see some better results. Mm -hmm. Mothers really are the shapers and the cultivators of our world. Yeah. And what does that mean? Yeah. And what, what does it mean in terms of the responsibility of that? You know, and, um, you know, a mother is uh, a nurturer. A mother is um, a guide. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying fathers are too, but mm-hmm. the mother has a, it's that umbilical cord. <laughs> it's, it's a whole nother, it's a whole yeah. nother um, level of mm-hmm. power and influence mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, on human beings. Yeah. And um, I think that um, we need to find ways to tap more into the feminine power. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is what I was going to say. Okay. Who would have ever thought that we would be battling with Roe versus Wade? Uh, yeah. Did we ever think that that could actually happen? No. So it just lets you know how asleep we are. 
How so and when bad. you forget your past mm-hmm. and you, when you forget your history mm-hmm. yep. and when the story is not passed on, yep. when the story is just kind of buried, mm-hmm. then this is what we have today. Yeah. And well, I, when, you, when you actively have people saying that is not history, that's not what happened. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. trying to erase history. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly. fucking terrifying. It is like, terrifying. It is, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so I think that the, the history is so important. And I, I even think like this whole idea of what's the divide in our country, mm-hmm. which is a wound that we've had for years. If we go way back to the, to the, um, to the, founding of our country (laughs) yeah yeah and and also to the civil war Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know i mean i remember learning about the civil war and it was never just like it was never taught in a powerful way around what really happened well and didn't it feel like it was so long ago that we we would never do that again think about it no no but you know what it's still here it's still here and it's almost more powerful than ever and so we're still in that fight, in yes, that same absolutely. fight. Yeah, no. I just wrote about that actually in one of my newsletters. I, I think the subject line was how to avoid a second American civil war. Yeah. And the gist, I mean, honestly, the gist was like, talk to people, start reaching out, talk to people right. more. That's a right. first step. And, right, right. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a great organization called Start With Us that's, that's in this... Um, Professor, uh, I think it's Peter Coleman talking about that. And um, yeah, here we are. Here we are. And I just wanted my, um, my husband's been um, working on this. He's an artist as well, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Jack Leamy. And he has been um, working on this beautiful portrait of Frederick Douglass. And, Mm. um, and so he's been talking to me a lot about it just because, um, you know, he's entrenched it. You know, when you're, when you're doing a portrait of an icon, you become immersed in who they are and they almost take over you. And so, you know, he's been giving me like excerpts of Frederick Douglass speeches and talking to me about Frederick Douglass's life and his, his, his connection with John Brown and, you know, the abolish movement of that time. And, um, and I just think like, we, need to be fully immersed in the people and the places of that time to really have a deeper understanding of our history and of our struggles and our fights. Um, Because I really do think in a lot of ways we take it for granted and that's across the board. We just don't understand our history. And I think that when people are trying to take away your story yeah. You're doing that for a reason because they know that story is powerful. powerful. That's good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Amana, thank you so much for, for this time. And um, it's, I've so enjoyed the last few years reconnecting with you. And we will still get that walk in with our. I know. Let's get that walk in soon. <laughs> Pandemic kind of messed with that plan a little bit, but <laughs> keep the intention alive. Yeah. Um, couple um, just closing questions. What's your, when we're, you know, just think about our little, little kids, what's your favorite um, little kids book that you, that you grew up with? And then what's one that you love now for little kids? 
Oh my gosh. Um, well, there was a book. I don't even remember the author and I'm, I'm thinking about it. Um, cause I read it to my, uh, uh daughters mm-hmm. and, um, it was called so much. And I hate that. I don't have the author's name. I should probably okay, look, it we up. Can look it up. Um, and it was just so much about it just to me expressed the love that I had for my children. And I want to say one more thing mm-hmm. about that mm-hmm. is that when I became a mother and I realized, and I had been in all these schools and I had been immersed with all these wonderful little human beings mm-hmm. and um, that had just filled my heart and help me get through each day. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I was that rare substitute teacher that just loved to take on the challenge. Um, when I had my, my first child, what really came to me and it was just so stark is how vulnerable a child is. Mm -hmm. And when I think about the role of mother, it is the role of mother, it is the mama bear, that it is their job, you know, and the parents, you know, Mm -hmm. let me not totally negate the father, the father's Mm -hmm. job too, to protect that child and to raise that child. Mm -hmm. And I, what I thought about is that we live in such a cultural crisis is that there are so many vulnerable children and it just Mm -hmm. made me sad. Yeah. It just saddened me. And that is one of the reasons why I moved into the work of art esteem, of really mm-hmm. bringing art mm-hmm. and inspiration and love to young people. Yeah. And um, so I think it was it was pivotal. That moment of becoming a mother mm-hmm. deepened my compassion for the human existence. Yeah. Yeah. And um I think that um, when we as mothers can not only think about our own children, but think about all the children, children. all the babies that are out there that are um, vulnerable Mm -hmm. and that need to be uplifted and that need to be protected, um, then I think that we could, if we could all begin to do that, um, because how can our child be safe if that yeah, other child that other child's not, not. Yeah, yeah. It's not just about our child. Because mm-hmm. our child, if we think about the fact that we live in communities, mm-hmm. our child and in that whole idea of separation, our children are not living in isolation. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And so how do we bring in to spread those wings? Yeah. As mothers. Yeah. And and bring in, you know, our the fathers. Mm-hmm. To support and mm-hmm. bring them in in creative ways to support. Yeah, um, I think that um, that's the work that needs to be happening mm-hmm. deeper and more creative ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen. Can I answer that question? I feel like I missed. Yeah. Oh no, I think I think I, so. I think some I think of it. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. It made me remember when um, when I first had Corbin. And it was just like, you know, a couple days old and um, some hormonal and, you know, tired and just so grateful and happy and nursing him on the couch. And all of a sudden I just burst into tears because I was like, how can this little creature 
that is like three days old, like he's already experienced more love in his life than so many little kids ever will, you know? And, and just the, the, like the gift of that and the guilt of that, mm -hmm. you know, and how do we heal those wounds? Um, and keep our hearts open and keep their hearts open, our children's hearts open as they grow up and feel their own wounds happen, you know. <sighs> I know. Powerful, <laughs> powerful, powerful stuff. <laughs> For sure. Well, again, thank you so much. And um, we'll have to have you back another time. And um, I'd love to maybe do, I don't know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk offline about some next steps. But um, where can our listeners find you and, and follow your your brilliant and powerful work, Amana? Yeah, um, yeah, find me at um, www.ahc-oakland.org. Okay. Uh, my email is Amana, A-M-A-N-A, -A -A, at ahc-oakland.org. And um, yeah, please follow our work, um, go on our website, follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. And um, yeah, and um, thank you. Um, thank you. Quiet. This is, this is, um, you know, when I do these types of interviews, it just yeah. helps me understand like, oh, wow, this is why I do this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's good. It, it, it's creates a reminder. Time. Mm -hmm. it creates time for reflection, mm -hmm. you know, about ourselves and and the people in our lives and how we can have more compassion for ourselves, how we can show up for each other more compassionately and more powerfully and more fiercely when we need to be fierce too. So, yeah. 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 All right. Well, thank you so much. Big hugs to you. Yeah. Um, big hugs. And, um, I hope to see Smooches. you in person soon too. Yeah. And give um, my love to your parents. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right. This has been a joy. I'm, I'm so glad we finally did this. Me too. Me too. Yeah, Thanks like, for making oh, the time. Just, we did this. Yay. High five. High five. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Big Mwah. hugs. Okay. Bye. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you too for joining us here at the Momfluentials podcast, where we're talking about harnessing our collective power for good. And we're not just talking about mom social media influencers, but moms who are making seriously positive impact, working toward a more peaceful, regenerative, equitable, and sustainable world for all of our children. Thank you for all you do. Thank you to all of our supporters and partners also. To learn more about our work, visit momfluentials.com and come back soon for more inspiration and fun.